You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When you play the Los Angeles Lakers, it's just a different kind of ball game. It's a fan base versus a fan base that have a lot of disdain for each other. It's two teams that, after a playoff meeting last year, definitely provide a chippy experience. And Matthew, as we watch this game, a game in which the Phoenix Suns defeated the Los Angeles Lakers by 18 points, it didn't disappoint for any of that Phoenix versus Los Angeles Lakers drama, didn't it? No, it didn't. Actually, the only thing that sucked was Carmelo getting tossed out of the game because I liked chippiness between him and Jay. That Jay was getting to it with LeBron. So you had that going. I'm like, oh, you're going to get your second technical, dude? Just chill out a little bit because I knew like it was going that way. But this, I mean... The Lakers kind of showed their age a little bit. I mean, with Carmelo leaving the game, you can't really go to him whenever he comes in off the bench. So what are you going to do, L.A.? I love this, man. F.L.A., right? Fart L.A. <laughs> Fart all That's over L.A. All yes. Smog City. Uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those games where, you know, you, you just kind of saw it the whole the whole way. There, there was going to be some chippiness. There was going to be some aggressiveness. And. You know, it, it was kind of interesting the Suns start the way that they did. And then after everything that was said and done after the first quarter, where Reggie Miller's just like, they can't hit anything from three. You know, they, they were only down like a point or two. So, yeah. I mean, obviously plenty of t- to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So for those of you who are joining us live on YouTube, we thank you. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Hit the subscribe button as well. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And give us a five-star review on Spotify as well. Uh, Obviously, trying something a little bit different. So, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, please let me know how my audio sounds. I'm going with a headset this time. You know, I do a lot of traveling. I have the whole mic set up. It's kind of a pain in the ass to put into the suitcase every time. So I thought I'd try out a headset. So hopefully I'm, I don't sound horrible. Uh, Matthew, be ready because I am staying at a Springfield Suites in Palm Desert. <laughs> oh, no. And the Wi-Fi here is dog shit. This is the same hotel where like two times we've done the pod. And all of a sudden yeah. it's just you by yourself rambling while I'm trying to reconnect to Wi-Fi. So uh, Zero says the audio sounds great. So if this is the case, right. it's fantastic. Cause, yeah, so uh, far so good, man. All right, You're I looking dig good I, too. So, dig, yeah, I got the got the fresh Suns gear, the, the Steve really Nash all orange shirt from Just Sports. So again, if you go to shopjustsports.com uh, and put in the promo code Suns Jam, you get fifteen percent off any of your purchases. And I gotta say. I mean, you're wearing their Steve Nash shirt. I mean, they got some yes. absolutely fantastic gear there. So, See that. so again, plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So, Matthew, I'm popping open what's left of a Pepsi <sighs> here. So disappointing, uh, man. Yeah, you know. How the roles I mean, have flipped. Last year, I feel like I let a lot of people down with no beers. It's And, and last year, I was the alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I am now. So pop it open, brother. And let's talk about this beatdown of the Los Angeles Lakers, baby. One oh eight to ninety. That was the final score tonight. Although, if you're watching on the TNT broadcast, you probably thought it was a lot closer. In fact, at one point, I was I saw I think Espo tweeted out maybe the PHNX Sports uh, page 
they 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 tweeted out that it showed a caption from ESPN. It's like LeBron keeping the game close, and the Suns were up by twelve. It was like eighty five, like you know seventy three or something. But you know, it's just Matthew. I got to ask Matthew. I got to ask. Yes. Is what is watching Mikhail Bridges on Russell Westbrook worth the price of admission? <laughs> it's fantastic, but I mean, who else? Well, I guess maybe a lot of defenders can really throw Russell Westbrook off a little bit, right? To have him start turning the ball over. And the opposite of what we have here in Phoenix for Chris Paul is what Russell Westbrook is. Seriously. It, 100%. Everything. The play's going great. Russell Westbrook, great move, a great spin move, and dishes it to the corner steal. It's like you forget there's other defenders on the court, right, Russ? Because I'm not going to trash this guy. I admire his game a lot, but a lot of what he does is just very negative towards the Lakers or whatever team he plays for because he turns it over and he does a little bit too much and he has those hands in the paint sometimes when someone throws him the ball and he loses it. So those are things that you see consistently from him. So I'm not too shocked to see it again tonight. Oh, and you know – I've always been a fan of Russell Westbrook because of the type of game that he plays. Like you, you love the guys who have passion, who have heart, who have tenacity and physicality. And and Russell Westbrook has all of those things, but as somebody who is as ball dominant as he is to see him make such egregious turnovers at, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say key points in the game. I mean, the game was over at that point in the third and fourth quarter, but still to see him do that, uh, it reminds you how good you have it in Chris Paul. And I think that's important for Suns fans to remember. And, and Mikhail Bridges, you know, I kind of, uh, I wanted to start by talking about him tonight, you know, just yeah. kind of his overall performance. The Warden. It was, it was a rough start for Mikhail Bridges in this game. You know, he started that first quarter by shooting 0 for 7 from the field. Uh, got a couple points at the free throw line. If you look at his first half, you know, he was three for 11 from the field with nine points. Now he ends five for 17 with 14 points, uh, 0 for five from deep. And it's just, you know, tonight's one of those reminders where as you're watching him offensively, as much as it would be nice for him to be more effective offensively, you saw him on defense and you saw his effectiveness on defense and you go, that's what makes this a complete team is we have a true shutdown defender who is blocking Russell Westbrook is blocking THT is just, you know, the long arm of the law was out tonight. Yeah. And just really quick. Can I go back to Westbrook? Really? Please. please. Um, I was watching the pregame before the Suns, and Candace Parker, who made one of my one of my observations with Westbrook, it's like, hey, don't have him spread the ball, play him towards the basket more, kind of have him be more in this not the center position, but over there. And I think she said the dunking position. So I'm assuming that's close to the basket. And I was like, pretty oh, close. Yeah, that's what I always say. I'm like, put him close to the basket because he he was just, I mean, he's a guy that can get the rebounds and all that. And I want, I'll stop there because I don't want to talk about him too much. But Bridges was like, um, when I started taking notes, I'm like. I'm like, I'm taking more notes than DeAndre Ayton. Usually Ayton takes up all my notes. But tonight it was Bridges. I just, 
he had a few takes early in the game that were really frail towards the basket. And he, he was kind of trying to draw the foul, but then he wasn't as aggressive. I'm like, oh no, like, is this, is Aiton's like aggressiveness thing turning into what we should be expecting from Mikel and how he should be more aggressive? And then he kind of did. He kind of became more aggressive towards the basket, started getting like his first shot to go in, was mm-hmm. just a nice little runner, but he, he put some effort towards it. He went towards the defender. He shot it over him off the glass. It was beautiful. Then I was like, okay, here we go. And then he has a little pump fake from the corner. Uh, it leads to a reverse and one against LeBron James. So I was like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Because he got the aggression up. And I was just waiting for that. And I think he needs that. I know he has the, the. I guess it's still an injury to his pinky finger or whatever yeah, we were talking yeah. about last couple pods. But I just think that, you know, if you're more aggressive against any any team you're going against, Mikhail. I just think everything works out. I know he didn't get the three to go down, but I don't really care. I just want to see him back in the paint again because I've been asking for it. And it seemed like he got that going again tonight. And I think that's a great point when you talk about it. It's it's the level of effort. You know, he he doesn't give up in any facet of the game. Yeah, 0 for 7 to start. It was a rough start for the Suns overall. I mean, they started the game 3 for 11 from the field. And, you know, Mikhail just kind of personifies everything that's great about this Phoenix Suns team, because to your point, they don't give up. They don't hang their heads. They don't start infighting. They don't start pointing fingers at each other. They just put their head down and they go to work. And Mikhail will always put forth the effort. If he's not like again tonight, if he's not clicking on the offensive end, you best believe he's going to be clicking on the defensive end. And then guess what? They mentioned it on the broadcast on TNT tonight. He was the first guy to come out after the halftime break and, and work on some moves. And that was the first yeah. thing he did coming right out of the out of the gate was just get himself involved offensively. And ultimately, you know, he ends with 14 points. Was it an efficient 14 points? No. If I'm the opposition of Mikhail Bridges, I'm the first one to point out guys who are inefficient in their shooting. He didn't have an efficient night. But you know what? He made his impact felt. And that kind of goes all the way across the board when it comes to the Phoenix Suns tonight. Uh, because, again, that 3-11 and 11 start was – it was really interesting how the Los Angeles Lakers – and I assume that a lot of this is just simply due to their age, right? You can't play really great you, – you either have to play very strong perimeter defense, and, and because you lack the speed and quickness that a younger team does, you're kind of stuck out there, or you're going to play an interior defense and try to stop the interior. And it's almost as if the Los Angeles Lakers were daring the Suns to, to shoot threes, and the Suns were taking those threes. And ultimately, you know, especially in that first half, uh, you know, they weren't following, falling in any way, shape, or form for the Phoenix Suns. You look at it, and they went three for 22 in the first half. But again, they started three for 11 from the field, and what happens? Who shows up? Who's the guy who saves the day for the Phoenix Suns? You know it. Watch. DeAndre motherfucking Aiton. They were shooting from the outside. They weren't hitting anything. And then it was boom, right inside to DA. Boom, right inside to DA. So again, a team that that said, hey, you can have the perimeter tonight. We're going to try to protect the interior. Once the Suns realized they could exploit the interior, in, the, in those moments, I knew the game was over. What did you see from DA tonight as he put up a fantastic stat line, ended the game with uh, a total of 19 points on 9 for 11 shooting with 10 rebounds? 
oh well the the one takeaway i have is the the eight and foul against lebron james where lebron's trying to make himself known against uh Aiden down there and Aiden kind of gives him a shove i guess on the i guess it was a little too much for reggie miller and the and the guys up there I just thought that it was it was a nice little nudge, but I liked it. I like him pushing himself into LeBron and then taking the ball, going to the ref, whatever he said to him, probably just to confirm the foul and giving it to him and just saying it's bullshit. So I love that, but that was just a little part of it. I think him matching LeBron too in the beginning of the game, bucket for bucket, like that was the thing. He had 11 points. LeBron had 10 at mm-hmm. one point. So it seemed like, okay, how many times do we do this? So um, Aiton gets 11 points, then he hit, he gets a 17, then he gets a 19 eventually, but 17 was like early in the third. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, but they, they went to him. And I think McGee took a little bit of a while before he came in. And then in the second quarter, about the 10 minute mark, he started to get things going. They were starting to throw him the ball. So they were taking care of business down there in the paint where they had to. And then it led to like the threes later on in the game. And the Devin Booker was hitting the threes. Like Devin Booker wanted the threes tonight. But DeAndre Ayton, he just he blends so well now with the game. So I think the beginning of the season, and not even really the beginning, he started out pretty good this season. Last year, beginning of the season, I think he just stood out in the wrong ways, right? Yes. Now I think he's just very he's blended into what the game is where he is on the core what he's supposed to be doing you know what i mean so like he's right in the mix now to where he's not noticed in a bad way pretty soon i mean he's noticed sometimes like, oh shit here's aiden but he doesn't have the dunks and all that to really stand out but i think on pretty soon he'll be a guy that's going to be showing out on the other end to where we're going to be noticing him more in a positive way right now very very positive I'm just oh, saying yeah. he's in such a good mix with this team and being on the floor where it's just like he just blends well with what the Suns are doing offensively now. Well, and I think that this whole season, for the most part, when it comes to DA, has been positive. I think there's been one game where you and I sat and afterwards we were just critical of his performance because he was dropping a few passes and things of that nature. And I think it was like yeah. right after he had the flu, too. So we're just kind of yeah. assholes, you know? So I was. Well, I even wrote an article about it. That did not go well. And I and I redacted. I tried to. It's still up there though. It's still it's still there for, for everyone to see. Uh, but as Kenneth Payne says, who's watching along on Facebook, thank you for doing so, Kenneth. Uh, so balanced. And that's what you're talking about when it comes to DA and, and this offense is it is unbelievably balanced. The scoring overall is balanced once again. You know, we had seven guys in double figures tonight, 14 from McHale, 19 from uh, eight and 24 from Booker, 11 from Paul, 10 from McGee, 10 from Payne, 14 from Johnson. So, I mean, we have such a balanced offense that, you know, part of me wants to to stand on the soapbox, if you will, and be like, DeAndre Ayton needs more touches. We just need to pound it to him inside. But the Suns have figured out the when and the where to do just that. And then the moment they throw it into him and they know, they can see that the defense is kind of cued in on him now, they're going to pay. He's going to pass it right out intelligently. And we're going to score in another matter. We can, we can score in so many ways. And again, if you think back to the Suns team three to four years ago, that wasn't the case three to four years ago, four, four or five years ago, it was like Devin Booker and TJ Warren. That's how we're scoring tonight. And anybody who else scores, it's a bonus because we don't know consistently who can provide those points. Whereas this Phoenix Suns team can beat you in so many different ways. And what really took this team over the top tonight, again, was the bench, was their ability to sustain that scoring when Devin Booker's on the on the bench, when Chris Paul's getting a breather, when Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges aren't out there, when JaVale McGee is out there and Cameron Payne's out there and Cameron Johnson. I mean, that sustained scoring again. I mean, 
don't get me wrong. Like we were playing a Lakers team tonight that was has been ravaged by COVID, right? You know, the, the, yeah. The, Frank Vogel's not there, their head coach. They had four or five players out with COVID. So I'm not going to sit here and and say this this is a, a signature win for the Suns. This isn't because they they beat a hampered old team and they beat them yeah. by 18 points the way they should, man. Yeah, and are you getting darker in there? <laughs> I'll just joking. I don't know. It seems this... like it's getting oh, there you go. A little bit more light. Okay. It just seemed like it was getting darker and darker and darker. <laughs> um, but I love how you hit on um, you know, they beat you in every level of the game. And it seemed like DeAndre and early in the game two hit, and they were all two pointers, of course, but it seemed like he was just hitting it from like the four foot line from the five foot six. Yes. They kept like backing them the little up. bunnies. Like everything like was just really falling for him. And then you have Chris Paul who his stats aren't even that great tonight. I think of nine assists tonight. Um, so that's it. Didn't even know digits. I <laughs> him dude. So, but I mean the way the offense flows too, it's like once the wind di- dies down from when they're actually running the fast break with Chris Paul, he always hits like these guys that are falling, it's like a tree branch, like a tree, like the, the, the branches are just falling in order and like, he'll, he'll fake it to, I think it was to Mikhail bridges on the drive and then he'll throw it to Crowder in the corner who yes. Crowder was over two at the time from three. And then he hits Crowder wide open. So like, even though he's over two and the rest of the team isn't shooting well, besides Booker from three, he knows when to give it to him in which situation it's like Mikhail. Yeah. Give him the drive. He was hitting all his mid ranges, but you have to get Crowder more involved. And once Crowder starts hitting threes, then it looks better as a team. You know what I mean? It's just the you get more energy. Mm-hmm. You get him more involved, obviously. And then he's more of a positive influence on the rest of the team. Yeah. And I mean, that just kind of goes kind of across the board for everybody. Uh, but when Jay's hitting, I mean, especially in Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, whatever the fuck they're calling it these days, like Jay is a hated man. Like, make no mistake about that, Suns yes. fans. For yeah. those of you who are on Suns Twitter, uh, you'll know that Los Angeles Lakers fans have no love spared for Jay Crowder. And he is definitely the guy who is going to get a little chippy. And he's definitely going to, you know, th- there was one play where LeBron James clearly pushed off of him to clear out and, you know, got a layup. And then, like, right away, Jay was right on him and was physical with yeah. him the whole time. And I was thinking about that, you know, because obviously it's great to have that kind of personality on the team. It's something that we were missing for years is that guy who is who who has that toughness. Uh, and that physicality, and it can also deliver, you know, a true three and D guy, if you will. Um, we were missing that for so long, and now that we have it again, obviously, I'm a, I'm a fan of Jay Crowder and everything he does. But it got me thinking about this, Matthew. Like, do you think that other fan bases think that he's a fake tough guy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've mentioned before on this podcast about how he can tell when the camera's on him and his emotions, everything like comes out of him. And uh, he expresses himself in a way to where it looks like he might be. But we know he's not because he steps up to LeBron. And that's why I wanted Carmelo still in the game because you can see Jay getting into it with LeBron already pushing him. And then you had Russell Westbrook early on doing the carrying his baby. So yeah. That, that goes, I know you probably want to talk about that, but that goes into. Nah. Nah, it's fine. But that goes into something where it's just like the start of something and then it leads to Jay getting tough. But I can see the fake tough guy thing being a thing for him. But we know it. We know it's real. We know he leads by example. And that is his example. And it's something that keeps him in the starting lineup, even though he goes one for four from three once in a while. Once in a while, yes. Every now and then yeah. he'll throw an 0, an 8, 0 for 7 or 8 in your face. Those are my like, favorite games. Fuck. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but you think about it, like Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, they made a comment eh, a few couple weeks ago how they were talking about how Jay Crowder would be on the all-on-the-floor team. Yeah. 
you know, the guys who are just always on the floor led by Anthony Davis, who just lives on the floor. And I thought about that and I go, you know what? They're right. You know, and he, I, I, I personally don't think that he's a fake tough guy because mm. we've played against him and I never thought that he was a fake tough guy. Uh, you know, as we've talked about in the past, like he's the guy you want to have your back in a back alley brawl. Uh, I think Jay Crowder is the guy cause he is actually tough. Whereas like, Patrick Beverly would be the last person you want in a, in a, in a alley <laughs> brawl, you know, with yeah. knives out and everyone getting ready to rumble. Like Patrick Beverly would just fall <laughs> over and fake dead, you know, the first sign of anything. But at the same time, like I guarantee you that the, the opposition hates CP three, they hate Jay Crowder. And a yeah. lot of them don't really like campaign because of, you know, we've mentioned it before all the yelling that he does, right. The fact that he screams after every play, a lot of people don't like it. And uh, I know some of son's Twitter is actually trolling one a Lakers fan uh, who was talking shit about campaign, you know, so even mm-hmm. son's jam session, our Twitter account at son's jam stopped by and assisted in that trolling. Yeah. But he got wrecked. He got hit right in the left eye and you could see it too. Kind of yeah. like a little bit of a bruise. And they so it was, didn't call it. No, I know exactly. And uh, campaign i mean he uh he's a guy sometimes we would get annoyed with with his three-point shot from uh it's like a fadeaway three on a uh, fast break for the suns that's campaign for you but i know a lot of teams don't like him because he does yell but he's kind of knocked that off a little bit lately i feel like he's not feel, doing that as much maybe too much energy spent I, I i feel like that too but you bring up a good point you know i feel like this the lakers were being allowed to play overly physical and I'm okay with it because it's the mm-hmm. way that this this NBA season has been refereed. Uh, but at the same time, like the Suns, you have to stop complaining. I feel like we see that a little too often from the Phoenix Suns, where they're just looking to the ref after every play and you know screaming at them. It's just you know just personally as a Suns fan who is on Twitter, it's a bad look for us. Uh, but then of course you have LeBron James who has the World Heavyweight Champion of complaining, and we saw that on the foul play where he stepped on Jay Crowder's foot and the foul was on Jay Crowder. Now, I really think that this was an interesting point of the game just because it really turned that entire TNT broadcast. And and listen here, (laughs) I like Reggie Miller. I really do. And I'm sorry I always go into the broadcast, Matthew. I know this is the part where you just kind of zone out and drink. Always. (laughs) But, like, I like Reggie. I loved him as a player. I Mm -hmm. I love the chippiness. I love uh, the the Pacers were kind of like my Eastern Conference team when I was a kid. Uh, And... I mean, he was just he, he, I, I think he, he was making it sound like LeBron James had survived the uh, the Civil War, like his left foot was cut <laughs> off. And it's like, look what he's doing. You know, and it's like he was sprinting up and down the court doing spin arounds. Like, he was fine after that thing. He's like, he needs to go to the locker room early and ice that thing like he was walking around fine. He acted it out when he, when the foul first happened. He sold the foul. Uh, I mean, if he had acted that well in Space Jam, too, he might be nominated for an Academy Award. But like he seemed fine after the, you know, as, as the thing was or as the game was going on. I don't know why Reggie Miller was just so obsessed with. He's like, what Le- LeBron's carrying this team right now. This is amazing. It's like, dude, they're down twelve, and he looks fine. Mm. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> you know what they teach Sorry. you in journalism? You got to find an angle. That was his angle. The angle was, was the Suns are whooping that ass. I know, but that was uh, that was Reggie Miller's angle, just to make sure, like, oh, this is the reason. You know, LeBron might have a comeback. Look at him, like, test it out. Like when he tweaked it, it was I don't did it even tweak. And I I was thinking Barely. about you when it happened right away. I was like, oh look, if if John was not standing up for this game, he stood up for that. I did. I, I bet you didn't. Used to... <laughs> yeah, I was I actually ironing my my pants for tomorrow. I was yeah. up and I was like, are you kidding me? He barely <laughs> did. like it was like a it it, it wasn't like a full on like it was, uh, yeah, it was like um, 
God, who 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 tweaked their ankle last year? Um, Everyone tweaks their ankle terribly. I know, I know. I've never seen a tweaked ankle like that where nothing happens. It was like God, a I video. Felt, game. I, I felt like it was Joel Embiid or something. Like he tweaked his ankle and he just came straight down. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It was Kyrie Irving in the playoffs last year. When Kyrie Irving tweaked his ankle last year, he fucking tweaked that shit. Whereas yeah. like LeBron James is, you know, he yeah, whatever. I don't want to go on the whole thing. Here, you want to hear some positive talk about LeBron? Yeah, if you haven't, you have okay. some. I have what? some positive Deep things. Deep down inside there? All right. Some, some, some down in my... Deeply closeted? Let's yes, yes. Let me let me pull it out of the closet here. All right. Uh, what is more terrifying and unstoppable than downhill LeBron? You don't see it as much anymore because he is mm-hmm. an older player. But when he decides to take that ball about three-quarter court and just run at the rim, it's unstoppable. What is more unstoppable than that play in basketball right now? Oh, nothing. Um, other than LeBron when he's posting you up and he gets the elbow behind you and he just dunks yeah, just, the ball. Yeah, it's that's so a, that's quick. an offensive foul. It is, but you can't even you don't even realize what happened until it happens. Like when he did that a few times, I was like, Oh my god, like he can still do that. Like it happens in within a blink of an eye where he's already at the rim. So those are unstoppable plays, but it's always been like that with LeBron, right? He even lost some weight this year, but he's still terrifying he's like seven feet tall i don't care what people say he's he's a freaking monster man 300 pounds just yeah, running your way just unstoppable and uh oh yeah he slammed the floor yeah he slammed the floor so you know as nephew hayden says in the chat he slammed the floor so it must have hurt lol he is a crybaby and it was just so funny because i saw mm. on sun's twitter you know lakers fans were coming the, the fan bases bleed you know and i, I know twitter's not real and I know the majority of you probably aren't on it, and that's a good thing because it's all fake. Uh, I was I was this watching a com- I was watching a comedian the other day on HBO, and he was talking about that. He's like, he's like, what you don't understand is like eighty percent of the people who have Twitter don't use it, and like ninety mm-hmm. percent don't use it regularly. So he's like, whenever anybody talks about what's trending on Twitter, he's like, it's like ten percent of people who are actually on Twitter. He's like, what they should do to make it. He's like. The majority of people aren't on Twitter. So to make Twitter accurate to the what's really going on in the world is you should have somebody post and then you have to scroll for seven hours until you find somebody post again. Because that's how mm-hmm. often people are truly posting relative to the rest of the world. But anyways, I thought it was funny. No, yeah. Just really quick, what it was Go trending today. We don't have to switch the subject, but I had a new background. It's the uh, the Suns Ooh, mock-up jerseys. Yeah. I, I don't know if these are real or not. Oh, I'm like totally in the way. I should have done it divided. But um, these are the ones that was on Twitter all day that I saw that the 20 minutes I was on today. So I just want to throw this up in the background. Yeah, for those of you who are listening, obviously this sucks. But for those of you who are watching, uh, the, the mock-up jerseys are something that have per, you know have been rumored to be leaked relative to maybe the Suns having their earned edition jerseys. Remember mm-hmm. teams that went to the playoffs the following season get a earned edition and that might be it. And I, I've heard them kind of get a lot of flack, but I think they're really I think they look cool, cool, man. I like them and I've been seeing them all day, but they might not be real. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because we're talking about Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I think they look fantastic because okay, cool. they, they, they do. I, I like the change in the font for the numbers. Uh, just because I'm not a huge uh, fan of the current font yeah. for the numbers. I like how they use the current Suns wordmark, but they use it in kind of an old school slanted way. So uh, I definitely think that if it's one of those things that uh, the Phoenix Suns move forward with, I will definitely do my best to try to get one. Um, you know, these are still the best, though. Those, those old, are still those, the best. Yeah. Those, those old 93s are, are still sure, the best. Man. So um, uh, real quick, Landon Alverson. 
in the chat says Matthew Lissy with a bat with the badass background. Although the valley background would push me to subscribing and smashing the like button. Oh, okay. Well, um, we'll work on that. that. We'll work on that. Okay. We'll get I do have valley. a valley background, but it's yeah. um. There you go. This one right here. There you go. There you go. All right, there you go. Smash the like button and right, subscribe while it. you're here, Landon. We'd appreciate on, it. Landon. Okay. Let's go, dude. <laughs> Let's Our go. lady. Let's go. Let's go. Um. What I want to talk about. Okay, so Devin Booker. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to yeah. So Serious. So Serious stopped by the chat in the super chat and dropped $4.99. Donated to the pod. We truly appreciate it. And he says, Suns had a bad night and won by 20. That was pure LOLs. In the first half, all I could think was, uh-oh, don't make book, book mad. Bad idea. And that they did. They made Book mad, and he came out playing like gangbusters in that third quarter. Because, again, if you look at the, the first half for Devin Booker, he finished with uh, how many? Uh, 11 points on four of eight shooting. And then he comes out in that third quarter, and he drops 10. And he goes three for five from deep. He's the only guy who could truly make a, a three-pointer. <laughs> and he just – like there's something about the Staples Center, Crypto.com, whatever. There's something about playing in L.A. that Devin Booker – just excels at and you think back to the playoffs last year and the performances he put forth there you couple it with how he performed tonight uh d book owns la my friend he does but careful of the headlines now of beating d book going to la because of us talking about this you know what i mean yes so that, that's the only so thing we're well gonna get there. from this game <laughs> he plays so well you know um yeah and he had his toe behind the line too and in review three his and toes behind the it. line. Let's do. Let's go. That's a let's go moment. Let's let's go, book. <laughs> you know that never happens for him. So congrats, book. And he wanted those threes tonight. He was just like, I'm just gonna shoot these threes, and they look pretty good. He got the bank to go in. He thought he was fouled, but we'll count that one. It, he it was fouled on that play, though. He was. Was he? I didn't get to see play. a replay on it, so I didn't know. They they showed it one time. They realized that he was fouled, so they only showed it the one time. Now, had it been LeBron, okay, we would have seen it from every angle. Uh, a fan's cell phone angle up yeah. in the in the top deck. I mean, they would show you every angle possible Animated. To, sh yeah. to show you. <laughs> it was funny. So, you know, quick side story. I went yeah. today to Best Buy right across the street from the hotel I'm staying at to buy this headset. Because, again, Jamsters, if you joined us late, I'm trying the headset thing on. Uh, I'm tired of traveling oh. with the big mic and everything. So, again, let me know in the chat how the audio sounds. I'm hoping it sounds just fine. Uh, but as I was walking in, there were a couple kids out front, and they were selling uh, candy bars for their basketball team. And I was like, dude, hell yeah. I'm like, one, I love candy bars. And two, for a basketball team, shit yeah. And again, I'm in Palm Desert, California, so I'm not too far from Los Angeles. And as I was paying the kid, I'm like, hey, so so who's your favorite player? He goes, Kobe. I go, okay. And he goes, and he goes let me ask you a question. I go, what? And he goes, is Kobe Bryant better than LeBron James? <laughs> and I was like, no. Or I, or I said, yes. <laughs> I'm like, screw LeBron James. And I'm like, but just remember, Suns yeah. play the Lakers tonight. And then he goes, yep, yep. And I go, go Suns. He goes, oh, you're a Suns guy? I'm like, hell yeah, man. Best team in the NBA, Devin Booker. Now that's a killer. And he goes, yeah, that kid's nice. That kid's nice. And then he oh. had me five, five candy bars. So even – respect. But that's what I, that's my whole point. It's, it's that respect that that Devin Booker's getting because he's he's having performances like this. You know, the yeah. national media is not going to be watching the game on Thursday when he's playing against OKC. You know, and they might look at the stat line real quick. But when he plays in uh, the house that Kobe built and he drops twenty four points, how many shots did he end up putting in this game, Matthew? Do you do you have that uh, in front of you? 16, 16 shots, six for eleven from three. There, six for eleven from three. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 16 shots, 24 points. I'll take it. You know, he also had nine assists and, or I'm sorry, 
nine rebounds, seven assists. God, I should have bet the fucking rebounds on that this morning. I'm sitting <laughs> at the airport. And I'm like, okay, what's going to be my final bet before I fly to California where I can't bet anymore? And I put together a parlay, which the Pelicans fucked me on today. And I had like a $50 free bet because it's like DraftKings is like, hey, Merry Christmas. Here's 50 bucks. Do with it what you want. And I'm like, should I bet the over on Devin Booker rebounds, which was like four and a half? Which should have been, which is the easy bet. I'm like, or DeAndre Ayton to make 0.5, more than 0.5 threes. I'm like, DeAndre Jordan's going to be on him tonight. He'll shoot a three and he'll make it. And that was plus 1,200. So I would have won 600 bucks, but DA didn't even attempt it. Oh, it could even happen towards the end of the game. I feel like there was opportunities maybe. Oh, I was, DeAndre oh, I was three watching. Off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's too bad, John. You actually lost a bet. Usually you're hitting on all of these. So it's good to hear you losing once in a while, I guess. It's show that you're human, right? You know what, you son of a bitch. No, I'm just saying you're you're human, man. You're like everybody else. I know, but it would have been really nice. <laughs> that would have been really nice, nice to, win. to win 600 bucks because yeah. then I could have gotten you something for Christmas. Oh, thank you. You still did. Yeah, but I won't be there for Christmas. Um, <laughs> what else did I want to talk about? I know. Tell me about it. Are Are you going to be on the Christmas show? Yeah. What do you mean okay. the Christmas show? What's the Christmas show? Us? The one after the Warriors game. Yeah, you know what? We're doing our Christmas at two thirty. I know the game starts at two, so I'm gonna be watching it. So no. I guess we'll just we'll figure out. It starts at it's... three Arizona time. No, oh, does it? Okay, well that's perfect yeah. then, man. Yeah, I let's think... do it. Yeah, I think it's three year time. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have uh, my Santa suit, everything on. Look... Nice. Look that's great, gonna man. that that, that that's out. that's all I'm looking forward to on Christmas Day because I will be working on Christmas Day in Reno, Nevada, <laughs> and. Uh, I just can't wait to get back Jeez. to the hotel room, watch the game, and do a podcast, and then watch the Cardinals <laughs> game after that. That's like that's my Merry Christmas this go. year. So, couple uh, wins, huh? Yeah, a couple wins, God couple wins. You, that'd be that'd be great. Um, did you see the moment where Landry Shamit made that steal off of Russell Westbrook, right? And he went down the court, kept the ball in the, his right hand the whole time, went up, made the shot, got fouled by Trevor Ariza. Which, quick side note, when Reggie yeah. Miller was saying that Trevor Ariza is the best defender on the Lakers. Is that when you know your team is dog shit? Yeah, absolutely. I saw your tweet and I thought to myself, yeah, John, you're right about that one because that's not that's not anything you would want to hear this century, right? <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> that's not something you want to hear if you're a Lakers fan that reasons your best. Well, you do have the COVID issue, so it makes sense. AD's out, so eh, I don't know. Never mind. I'm trying to make them feel better. Why am I doing that? Fuck the Lakers. Anyways, what's up? So... <laughs> But as Landry Shamit was fouled on that play, and I'll, I'll, I'll air quote that because I don't know if he was necessarily fouled on that play, but he stepped on a cameraman. Did you see CP3 yell at him afterwards because he didn't say anything to the cameraman or try to help him up? Like CP3 went right over, like said something to the cameraman, kind of helped him up. Then he turned to Landry Shamit and he yelled something at him. And no. then Landry Shamit kind of turned back and kind of gave him like, a, oh, I'm sorry. And then CP3 started talking to the rest of the team. God, I love oh, that. That's crazy, man. I, I do like that. And I do worry about that. But I also, I'm always on the other side where these guys need to move. But then you do have the very, very nice picks and camera angles from down there. So I do appreciate them being down there doing their job. Yeah. But now that they're back, you know what I mean? After last year and the year before where they were just vacated, it's kind of nice to have them back because you get to see whether or not these players care about other people or not. You knock them over, the ones that don't ever attend to their like vulnerability where they're like crawling on the floor trying to get their camera back. It's just it, it makes you think like, oh, they don't care about human human beings as much you know they're they're, they're, step they're so locked into care. the game yeah so i don't know i look out for that stuff too i didn't notice the cp3 thing though that's pretty cool because honestly i don't know if i would do the same thing but if i run somebody over it depends how focused i am 
I would help them up, but I think how annoying it would be to hit them over and over again. By the oh, fifth yeah. time, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, get out of the way. But the way I look at it is like it was Landry Shamit, so it can't happen that often. Like he shoots threes all the time and jumpers, so it's very rare that he's actually yeah, driving true. to the hoop, going through the hoop, mm. getting fouled. And again, he was standing up when it happened. It's not like he fell down onto a cameraman. He 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 walked over one essentially due to momentum, and then he kind of annoyingly lifted his leg to get out from under him, looked down at him, mm -hmm. and it kind of kept walking. The CP3 went over, helped the guy up, and kind of yelled something to him. And it made me think of your point that we've talked about in the past, like watching basketball when COVID was going on and there was no fans mm -hmm. was, you know, thankfully basketball is one of the sports that was easy to consume without fans. Uh, and one of the things that we both, I think thought was a good idea was, Hey, take those cameramen and move them back like six more feet. And I think that that's one thing that should have continued post COVID because it really allowed a lot of guys to be aggressive and go to the rim. And now you're seeing a little bit of that tentativeness. And and I was worried that Landry was going to hurt himself on that play because he kind of twisted kind of funny over. The yeah. Camera. You know what I'm saying? It is crazy how much money they spend on, you know, this game, the players, how much money they make everything. I mean, that's why it's all about money, right? Compacting it, making sure that there's fans up close, mm -hmm. you know, having to spend a thousand dollars on the, on the front court seats then but then you think about like the injuries and stuff like that it's just such a weird thing it's kind of like in college football sometimes when the wall's too close yeah in the end zone it's like dude these guys are gonna like break their necks running into that wall and you have the same thing in the nba with these guys running over the cameraman i'm just so surprised it's a thing uh like i said i like the the pictures and the the camera angles from down there but there, i feel like there's a different way by now we can figure this out you know just have like a drone there and then when they come just lift them up like zzz, and then go back down. You know well, what I mean? I mean like it, it, it could different. also be something where it's six feet off and it's not even a human being these days. I mean, they could be in a control room in the backs pounding some nachos and, and controlling a camera with a joystick and takes up mm -hmm. this much space versus like a wide, it's always some wide body dude down there. But yeah. again, they have to be that close so they can take pictures for the NFTs and, and that goes on NBA top, <laughs> top shots and shit. Yeah. You know, they did do. you see the moment where Jay Crowder gave uh, or jumped over the stands and nearly gave Jojo a, 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 yeah, uh, who's JoJo? A, a, a face full of Jay Crowder sack. That was pretty. I'm sorry, close. I didn't know who JoJo was. JoJo, was isn't she, about... is she the singer? Get back, she... JoJo. It is a singer. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, get out, find out me. Da, 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 da. That's the end of you and oh, me. Oh, nice. Ba, ba. It's like a mid 2000s song, if I remember correctly. And yeah, now I see who she is. Okay. Yeah, and get back, Very JoJo. Cool. I like that. Get back. Through a little, little Beatles in there. That was pretty. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought of. Um, welcome back to Isaiah. Thomas. Oh yeah, I was like, are we on a podcast? Yeah, sorry. We sometimes we just sorry. end up shooting the shit. We for that we apologize. Uh, welcome back, Isaiah Thomas. I was thinking back to this when the Suns have the three-headed monster that was Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas, and Goran Dragic. Dragic, weren't you a Bledsoe guy? Oh my gosh, do we have to bring this up? <laughs> you were, weren't you? <laughs> oh my gosh, I was. Well, how could you not be, man? They called him mini LeBron. You have to believe everything the media pumps out. I just, <laughs> I thought he was going to be something special. Do you remember what kind of guy I was? Dragic. Dragic. Yeah, I like Dragic. Yeah. And I, I like, I'll never forget walking through the team shop and like all it was was Isaiah Thomas uh, gear everywhere. I'm like, we just got this guy from the Kings. This guy was yeah. no good. Why do we have him? But, <laughs> it, it, you know, you got to think about poor poor isaiah thomas you know he, he's coming back he's essentially one of the covid replacement guys mm -hmm. and 
as much as Reggie Miller was frustrating to watch tonight, tonight, I did like what he said at the very end of the game when he was saying like, Hey, anybody who's given any, any one of these guys crap, who's in here as a COVID replacement, like these guys worked hard to be in this situation, to play in an NBA game. So pretty much shove it. And I did like that, that, he, you know, when, when he made that comment, but Isaiah Thomas comes, this is only his third game back playing. He's, he's very well documented how the Boston Celtics kind of did him dirty. Uh, and he goes one for 11 from the field and has three points. Uh, poor IT, man. He just, I forgot how small he was. He he makes CP3 look oh, like, no. you know, he's like 6'5". <laughs> yeah, it was really cute seeing him on the court and stuff. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick at all about it. I'm just, I'm serious. Like, it was, it, I, I miss him. I Everything that happened to him with the Celtics, that sucked a lot. That's like one of the worst things you ever seen. That's why I feel like karma is a bitch when it comes to what the Celtics had to go through the last five years after that because they have been absolutely nothing. Yes. Um, not to say that Isaiah Thomas would have had a great year the next year, but he went through a lot, and it a sucks because a lot of people are giving these players crap and all, but they're, they're players in the NBA. It's crazy how we give these people shit for doing that, their dream. They're succeeding in a life that they wanted to live, and we give them crap. Why? What am I supposed to do then in life? What am I supposed to do? Like, just go do my job? Be the best damn podcast host ever. Yeah, and then if someone comes and replaces me for a few episodes, it's like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, what is that? That doesn't even make any sense. If you think about it, what is the point of any of that? It's just they're ballplayers, man. They're playing the NBA. Exactly. But you know what? Uh, kudos to him for coming back and, and having that tenacity. I'll always be yeah. a fan of Isaiah Thomas for his heart, but I'll always be a fan of him going 1-11 when he's playing the Phoenix Suns for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, THT as well, 1-13. for 13. So those two combined went 2-24 for 24 from the field. Uh, you know, I, I put this on Twitter, and maybe I was a little quick to jump the gun on this one. And I'm sorry, I, I was on Twitter a lot tonight. I'm not normally on Twitter a lot during the games, but like during Laker games, it's I just for get us. fired up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. A lot, does of help. Likes. A, lot, a lot of likes going on there. So, uh, but but during the game, you know, I, I put out that THT is a pro is another one of the uh, LeBron James casualties. That is, he's a guy with a bunch of talent, but because he plays with LeBron James, he has to play a very certain and specified role. And therefore it takes away from what his strength is. And, and THT's strength is driving to the rim and creating contact. We've seen that in the preseason before we've seen that when LeBron James has been out. Uh, and tonight, you know, he, he was one for, for 13 from the field. And that included 0 for 8 from deep. When he plays with LeBron James, he's forced to be a perimeter player, and that takes away from what his strength is. Uh, and then some Lakers fans, you know, they rightfully were like, hey, this guy has, hasn't played at all this year. He was a second-round draft pick. He's 21, and he's young. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's coming off of COVID, you know? So it's just like, I'm like, okay, I get it. But still, like, <laughs> that, that enough? Yeah. that's my impression of him. Is he's a guy who used to scare – THD used to scare you, right? Yeah, I mean, it was in the preseason, I think. That was about it. Where he went off in the preseason, you were thinking, oh my God, is this guy going to be something the Suns have to fear? Like, here we go, another player like Kyle Kuzma. Where Mm -hmm. Kuzma came in at first and took over, and you're like, he... I don't want to go into Kuzma, but I used to be scared of Kuzma, and I still think he's a great player. And whatever he's doing, where's he at now? It doesn't matter. All right, let me go back to THT. Washington, yeah. THT is a guy that... He needs the ball. He needs the possession. But in preseason and a team that he can control, like you said, 
but he was so close to being that guy that might have been something. But when you play with LeBron, you have to adjust everything, right? You have to adjust yes. who you are, what you do on the court. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. I don't even know what you do with that guy. So both of them. And then you have Anthony Davis on the court too. It's just like there's too many. It's too top-heavy. And it's just I don't even know if they know how to share the ball, let alone even play games together. They can't figure things out to where they can get these guys more involved and find out what they can do to succeed. Because you see how long it takes the Suns to get that chemistry together that they've gotten this year. Like it took them a year and a half Mm -hmm. to really get this down to where everything makes sense. And then even then you have injuries and stuff. You have to worry about that. But right now the Suns are just they're the perfect team. They're a perfect ball club. And it's going to take the Lakers a long time to figure that out, let alone figure out what to do with THT. Yeah, and again, that's why the value on organic chemistry is something that I think both you and I referenced numerous times. Because, and, and even in the preseason, when we were doing our Western Conference preview and we were going through different teams, that was the big kind of question mark about the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, is you can't just put together a team full of names and expect them to execute, especially when those names are all over 33 years old. There's no chemistry there. They all have identities. They all have egos. And even if they check all of that at the door, it takes time and minutes on the floor together to develop said chemistry. We think back to the beginning of last season, the eight and eight start for the Phoenix Suns. That's exactly what it was. And then they adjusted and then they grew as a team. And the next thing you know, they were the second overall seed heading into the Western conference finals. And they were, you know, they defeat the Los Angeles Clippers and go to the NBA finals. And now what we're seeing is year two of that. And that's what makes this season so special is because you don't normally see that. And I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, If you go to the Suns jam session, red bubble page we got a bunch of designs that we've made on there that you can purchase as shirts and things and i've got the one that says you know paul and booker and bridges and crowder and eight and that's our starting five from last year and i can wear that this year and it's the same exact thing and how many teams could actually say that because i'll ask you this question matthew and i know that ad was out and i know that the lakers had a lot of covid issues and i know that you've been watching the game and you actually covered it for bright side of the sun uh, this evening, but tell me this. Can you tell me without looking at your computer, who were the Lakers starting five tonight? Uh, it was THT. It was LeBron. It was, um, Anthony Davis. It was, nope. um, I think Shaq. And then also, uh, <laughs> see what I'm saying though? Penny Hardway. Yeah. <laughs> now don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. They're a team that has injuries and COVID, just like I said, but the fact that Wayne Ellington played tonight, I didn't even fucking know that. And when I looked at the box score at the end of the game, I'm like, fuck Wayne Ellington was out there tonight. Like, even their role players aren't that good. Whereas yeah. our role players excel and play as a true second team unit. The the Suns back up two two team. Okay, not the not the third team, not Alfred Payton. But if the Suns had their backup twos with JaVale McGee, Cameron Payne, uh uh Cam Johnson, you know, on down the line, if you put them in like if they were starting five for another team, they'd probably be better than the team that we're going to face next. And that's the Oklahoma city thunder. So, I mean, that that's saying a lot about a team because a lot of them have that chemistry because for the most part, they all played together last year. And that's the value. That's the value that, that so few teams carry over year over year. And that's what makes the Suns again, the best team in the NBA. Yeah, but plus Suns have won games because of their bench, and JaVale McGee's been our jam star of the game, I think, 20 multiple, games Multiple, yeah, multiple so occasions. So these are guys that are actually winning games for us, even though we have that starting unit still alive and together for two straight years. Well, there you go. That's a perfect segue into... 
Jam Star of the Game. All right, Jamsters, you know what time it is. It's time for the Jam Star of the Game. So this is a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. And if you are on Spotify, just give us five stars. They don't let you review yet. And if you're watching along live, let us know in the chat, you know, who's your Jam Star of the Game? Matthew, I feel like I always let you go first. So I'm going to let myself go first, okay? Uh, All right. the, the easy one here is DeAndre Ayton, in my opinion. But I'm actually going to go and give it to Big Dick Booker tonight because oh. I feel like the Suns were up at two. <laughs> the Suns were up by two going into halftime, which was a travesty all of its own because the whole halftime show was breaking down the entire Lakers offense. And, you know, this team is going to be dangerous in two weeks, this, that. And it's like, oh, by the way, the Suns are up by two. But Devin yeah. Booker came out in that third quarter, as I mentioned before, and just started hitting threes and displayed the aggressiveness, the Mamba mentality, if you will, that put the Suns. A 10 point lead like this and mm-hmm. the Suns never relinquished that lead and it was all on the back of Devin Booker I'm gonna go the same way I just 6 for 11 from 3 that's something that we never see from Devin Booker and like I said it was just a different way of him attacking the 3 it was just the shots he's just like I just want to see what I could do from here and I'm gonna get these 3's to go down it just it seemed different the release everything he was pushing forward a lot so he had a lot of momentum going into the shots and it wasn't too crazy but it was just something that kept us alive in the game, especially when you're when you're still in the game with the team and you're two for eighteen to start the game from three. Like you just need some gun to go off from three. This is what we miss from Booker sometimes when he was out. And he did it, dude. I I don't know if he can maybe push that three point percentage up this year at all. But games like this, it's just exciting to see because you see how versatile he can be and how to help the team. And if he can play in LA and if he can play in New York every game other than Phoenix. It would be nice because he can go off. Oh, and the Celta and Boston Garden there too. Then, oh, then he can go off in three like any game. So, yeah, I would give it to him for sure. Well, I'll tell you this, Matthew. Entering tonight, he is shooting a career-high 40.9% from three-pointer entering tonight. Oh, is it over 40 already? Yeah, he's over. He's shooting 40% this year, bro. First time and in his career, right? Yeah, first time in his career. The His previous high... Uh, let's oh. see. I was just looking at his previous high was in 2017 slash 18. So he where he shot 38.3%. Oh, okay. And yeah. So, and that was the year where he averaged 24.9 and 2017, 18, that was the 19 win season as well. All right. Because dude. that's what got us. That's what got us the number one pick. So he shot 38%, but I mean, he's shooting two percentage points better than he did there. So Devin Booker very quietly, is putting up his best offensive numbers uh, kind of in that realm. Because, again, he's averaging 22 points per game, which is his third lowest of his career. Because guess what? We don't need him to. We don't need him to be 27 points a night, Devin Booker. We need him to be 22 points and highly efficient, and he's hitting those three balls. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are, you know, in the chat are saying the same thing. Uh, Nikki Tan says, Mikhail's lockdown D – book and dominate and a lot of book going on here um I, this one's pretty funny from fabio it says la drama westbrick day to davis day to davis that's, <laughs> that's a, a good pretty one. good one that's a pretty good Gosh, one so do poor guy man he's it's always a, Let's yeah fuck, no. fuck the lakers but there's also another one too sonia lovato says uh too tall jones oops wrong sport yeah ed too tall jones an <laughs> old cowboys defensive lineman was he seven feet tall oh man you, you, basketball, you, I'm sure. you, you, you cowboys lovers i swear to god you 10 and 4 you have the same record as the arizona cardinal cowboys lovers all right next up speaking of love 
Uh, next up on the the docket for the Phoenix Suns is the 10 and 19 Oklahoma City Thunder, home of one of Matthew's favorite players, and that is Aleski Pozhusevsky. Oh, po- Mr. G League, huh? <laughs> is he in the G League now? He's in the G League now. Oh my God, poor Matthew! You don't even get to watch him on Thursday. <laughs> it's all right. There's there's a replacements, man. Josh Giddy. I mean, he's exciting, right? He, he's a guy that can't shoot that they drafted. That is just a playmaker. And uh, I just I, I love this team. Shea Gilders like even hit two really clutch yeah. shots back to back, like the last two or three games or so. So. I, I love this team. I don't know why. Like, I, even when I listen to the KOC and Bill Simmons, they talk about how, you know, how making a trade, I think they talked about for Sabonis, a trade yes. for Sabonis and how that might just make them actually really good and they'll start winning. It's like, what's wrong with that? I want OKC to start winning. Just stop trying to, whenever they tank, they never get the pick they want. No one ever does. It's all, well, they've got it's like all, 40 it's all scheduled ahead. <laughs> Yeah, but it's all scheduled ahead. They're not going to give OKC back to back to back to back like first, second, and third picks of the draft. So just go out there and win. Make that trade for Sabonis. Have Josh Giddy, Shea Gilders, I'm, I'm oh, Dort, Lou Dort, Trey Man. Like they're all playing really. Lou Dort is playing phenomenal, but also Trey Man. I didn't Mann, realize too, Trey Man was on that team. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, he's the guy from Florida that we yeah, really that's like. Right. So their team is fun. Eric I'm more excited about this game coming up than with the Lakers than this last <laughs> Lakers game. Well, what's interesting about the Oklahoma City Thunder is they're a team in which three players average over double digits. You have Shea Gilgus Alexander averages 21.6 points per game. Lou Dort is 17.2 points per game. And then the rookie you mentioned, Josh Giddy, is 10.9 points per game. And you and you stack that up against the Suns. The Suns have eight players who average over 10 points a game, and Jay Crowder is 0.4 away from being the ninth player who averages over 10 points a game. I mean, that just goes to show. Now, granted, one of those is Frank Kaminsky, and he's only played nine games, but that just goes to show you the different kind of uh, balance that these teams have entering this this game that we're going to have with them uh, on Thursday. They've they've won their last two their their last two games. Uh, I think they have. They're going to be on the second game of a back-to-back against us. They play at home against Denver on Wednesday, so tomorrow, and then they go at mm-hmm. Phoenix on Thursday. They'll be ready to go. That's a young team there. Points per game. So if you were to guess the points per game for the Oklahoma City Thunder, how many points per game would you think they average? 113. 99.2 last in the close. league. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I, I would think 113 is last in the league. Well, actually, this year's a little different. The defense is yeah. up. Yeah, so. de- defense does exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their offensive rating is last in the league. Their defensive rating is 19. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, we're calling a win on this one, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And we can okay. look forward to the next game, too, on Christmas. Well, so. yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... We'll definitely be previewing that one. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that that's what's coming up there. Uh, let's see. There's one other thing I want to talk about with you. Thoughts. In the middle of our- um, brains. All right. Our thoughts. This is stuff that kind of has to do with the Phoenix Suns and or has to do with the league. So two questions I have for you. So the first thing I want to talk about after we played a, a COVID laden Lakers, should the NBA be canceling games? Um, no, I mean, no. And I think hockey is why, because 
like my stance on COVID and why they, well, they shouldn't because of money, obviously. And I want to do the podcast. Uh, the whole thing with COVID, I don't really want to go into, but I just honestly think it's something that you can kind of skip over for right now. You're eventually going to get COVID. Everyone's going to get COVID. This is going to happen over and over again, no matter if you pause it or not. I mean, mm-hmm. we event- we paused the country. How many times was it twice? Yeah. And we still all eventually got it. So I don't know if you can really pause this thing, man. And, it's going to come a time, and I'm just saying this now, where I think players that have COVID will eventually start playing games. It's I just going to get it's going to get to the point where it's going to be too redundant. They can't lose money, and it's going to be something to where they have to put these players on the court. And they're like, "Well, how bad are the symptoms? Are they even sick? Are they are they testing them? They're positive, and they're not showing symptoms. You know what I mean? So I think that might be happening too. So these guys that are healthy and stuff, and they can go out and play. I'm pretty sure it's going to come to a point probably next year to where we're playing through it if there's like another kind of virus going around and i know it's it's continued to like mass on other viruses of course and if that even makes any sense so i'm not going to go into the covid thing because obviously i don't know how to even talk about it right so i'll stop there but i don't think so man well and again you know we're not doctors we're not experts and i think one of the beautiful things about doing a son's podcast is we get to talk about something that we love that is fun Right. I mean, when you talk about COVID, you talk about its economic and social economic impact, all those little things like you get into some pretty deep and heavy conversations there. And I don't know if necessarily is the platform uh, to do so. I I don't think that the NBA will be canceling anything. Uh, I don't think it's prudent to do so either. I think that the majority of people who, especially in this league, are vaccinated. And due to that, uh, again, I'm not a doctor, but just kind of my observations, you know, due to that, even if you catch Omicron, which like seriously sounds like it's from Transformers, like Omicron. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of really quick, where's Blaze Megatron? Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Blaze Megatron's Who probably is uh, he man. I, I miss him. I wish he was on Sorry. the pod. I, I hope he hears this one day. Um, yeah, him and uh, somebody else. Yes, too. I know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um. But anyways. You know, it, it's getting to the point where it's like you've been vaccinated, you've been, you've had the booster, you've had all these things. So, those are all designed to, if you do catch this virus, you're not going to die. You're barely even going to get sick anymore from it. So, I think that there's going to be a point when I think the NBA is getting ready to change a lot of those protocols, uh, where it's going to be like, yeah, I think that it's, uh, yeah, crazy Luigi. Yeah, I think we're missing him too. Um, but it's going to get to the point where it's like, listen, unless you, if you're asymptomatic, you're playing because it's just like having a mild sickness, you know? So I just think that this is this thing ever going to fucking end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other question I had for you was the announcement came down today about players who are going to be eligible for the class of 2022 in the uh, Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And some of the guys and, and gals who are, on that list, uh, you know, include Manager Ginobili, and he'll probably get in. But there is a first time, uh, first time being eligible for the ballot this year, and that's Tom Chambers. And I wanted All to right. ask you. I wanted to ask you, Matthew. Do you think Tom Chambers is worthy of being in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I have to see the other names, um, but. I don't know. I can't answer that, John. Oh, that's a good question. I, I can't. I know, I know, I know. But I wasn't there really to watch them in person. So these guys that used to play before I even watched the Suns, um, I have a hard time, you know. I You can go off of stats and stuff. I might have to even look at Bill Simmons' book, The Top 100, The Pyramid, and what he did with Tom Chambers. Because I know the only thing in his book was about his dunk. So if the only thing that came from the dunk, from his career, is that dunk, which is not. He was he obviously a tremendous player, but... I think anybody can get into the NBA Hall of Fame. So I'm going to say yes, because everyone gets in. 
there's the answer. There, that is the correct answer in my personal uh, and humble opinion. Because, you know, Mitch Mitch Richmond is kind is in the NBA Hall of Fame, right? And I'm not going to take anything away from Mitch Richmond. You know, he he was a fine NBA player. I remember watching him growing up, uh, but he wasn't necessarily anybody who you thought was just like one of the most amazing players ever. Uh, I was trying to pull up his stats, but of course, basketball reference doesn't work right now, which means I'm, my internet's probably going to fail, which means you're probably going to have to end the show by yourself. Uh, but Tom Chambers, you look at, you know, he's a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA player. He was uh, an All-Star MVP. And, and he, you know, he also holds a historical context in the NBA as a guy who was the first ever true free agent. If you recall back in 1988, he's somebody who left the Seattle Supersonics and yeah. ended up coming to the Phoenix Suns as a free agent, the first major free agent signing by somebody. Uh, now, again, Mitch Richmond, six-time All-Star, five-time NBA. Uh, he won a championship in 2002. Um, I don't even know who's with that. I think it was at the Lakers. Uh, so I think Tom Chambers is. I also think that uh, Sean Marion is. And I think that yeah. the, Sun, the Suns need to get smart, and they need to get Sean Marion into their ring of honor before he gets into the Hall of Fame, because that could happen here pretty quick, in my opinion. He has the perfect resume for it. Yeah, he does, and it should have happened, but there has to be something between him and Robert Sarver, so that's all yeah, I can think of. Yeah, that, and he didn't make any of the all-team. He, like, he was never an all-NBA defender, which is, again, insanity, but you go back and you look at some of those teams, and you get it. But yeah, uh, I just thought sense. I'd bring that up, because they brought that, that up today, and I, I was thinking about uh tom chambers being in the hall of fame i'm like yeah yeah that's see the big cool. guy cry huh on yeah, live tv the, when they yeah, give it to him yeah who's that big yeah. dude with the jackets that comes around the nfl could they do it for tom chambers during a broadcast <laughs> you know the hey, big look. huge guy is like seven feet 400 no pounds. you get little tom leander to do it that'd be worth okay <laughs> so. or you could be on his shoulders yeah okay uh well i think on that note jamsters we're gonna go ahead and and put a bow on this one and wrap it up we appreciate all of you who have decided to stop by and hang out with the sun's jam session podcast the best post-game podcast on planet orange uh, make sure you hit that thumbs up button down below make sure you subscribe rate and review if you're listening to the pod if you are listening to the pod go to our youtube page and subscribe and if you are on our youtube page go to your favorite podcasting platform and subscribe to our podcast there you know some cross utilization of this but uh we look forward to seeing you on thursday after the suns kick the living shit out of the the oklahoma city thunder and then we'll see you on christmas as well so matthew you got anything else to tell the jamsters before we get out of here this lovely evening nothing but go home and love your family amen take care of jamsters we'll see you on thursday And Jamsters, I know you want it, but on Christmas, Matthew and I will do some childhood trauma, Christmas childhood trauma. Is there any other kind? Take care.